Hello and welcome to the Endurance Coach Podcast. My name is Mark Laithwaite and I'm here today with my co-hosts, ultra runner and sports psychologist, Dr. Ian Bordley, and also with sports injury specialist, Mike James, aka the Endurance Physio. Each week, we'll be telling you what's new in the world of endurance sports. We're going to have some amazing guests on the show and we'll be discussing how you can reach your true potential on race day. So sit back and relax. We hope you enjoy the show. Show everyone, we have got a belter of an episode. 35, Ian? Is it 35? 36. 36. I always get that wrong. Episode 36 of the Endurance Podcast. And today on the podcast, we've got two legends. <laughs> Northwest Triathlon. <laughs> for multiple reasons, not just for race performances. We have got two legends of Northwest Triathlon on our podcast. Welcome to the show. We have got Dan McPartland. And we've got Tom Rigby. Boys, welcome to the show. Cheers, Mark. Cheers, thanks for having us. So we um, we thought we should get you two on because it's been an absolute stellar year for you two. Some of the performances this year have been absolutely amazing. So it would be great to kind of get you on and talk through and ask about the year and preparation and just get the feel for it, really. And, you know, what's led to these fantastic performances uh, but also because it's nice to get some and recognition of some for some local athletes as well, because me and Ian and Mike just sit here shooting the breeze most of the time, don't we? And yep. to, be fair, to be fair, we're running out of stuff to talk about now, aren't we? So uh, <laughs> but we, we need to get some new companies. So, um, so, yeah, it's great to have you on the show. So I'm going to start with you, Dan. How old are you now? <laughs> 41. Important questions, get in well, there. 41. Well, yeah, well, when the gun goes, we're all the same age. Yes, yes. It's a very serious face, that, Dan, you said that as well. <laughs> Sensitive topic. Yeah, I keep telling myself that, but uh, yeah. So when the gun goes, we're all the same age. Maybe not, but... Um, <laughs> and I have to say, you're in your prime. Yeah. You're in your prime at 41, knocking out some stellar performances. So when, when did you start triathlon? 20 years ago, just over. So I've got, yeah, 20 years ago, I first did a duathlon. In Helworth Bridge. Helworth Bridge, yes. I remember yeah. Bridge Duathlon. Yeah, I had a, a war with my sister. She beat me on a mountain bike. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you were 21. Because I'm thinking back, it's funny because because I'm I'm 50 now. But even when I was considerably younger and racing, I remember you racing as well. And you were in Mantra at the time, I think. And uh, and I just keep thinking, like, how are you still only 41? <laughs> so yeah but that's probably yeah. right so I'm probably thinking around when I was maybe in my early 30s you were in your early 20s kind of thing so yes yeah. but yeah I mean very well yeah, some good sprint races back in the day yeah and um, Rossendale Ironman Rossendale Ironman yes some classic races yeah yeah they were the days yeah. and, and Tom how old are you now Tom 33 33 so still a youngster really yeah uh, well Relative to Dan, anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Tom, when that gun goes, we're all the same age. <laughs> <laughs> and what was your first try? How long have you been racing now? What was your first try? Uh, first try was Keswick Triathlon in 2014. 2014. Uh, yeah, so did that with some lads from work. We're all hungover and, yeah, it was just a bit of a, um, bit of a laugh, really, more than anything, but... Yeah, soon get the book for it and get a bit more serious. Yes, yeah, so I it was. Um, when was Parbold duathlon? I think the first time I ever saw you do a duathlon or triathlon was Parbold. Oh yeah, I remember that. Just still, still have nightmares about that. You yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> I should explain. There were some temporary lights, and Tom was just in front of me, and he put his brakes on to stop at the temporary lights. And I screamed at him and said, what are you doing? There might have been some swear words in there. <laughs> Go through him! <laughs> yeah. Was that the race where people were running with helmets on and stuff? 
Yeah, it all goes on at about this race. Yeah, I, I remember that because I think it was one of my first races. And I was thinking we we got this big briefing from Mark at the start, and there was some tre- temporary lights. He said, "Right, you need to slow down to a certain speed to make it fair or to go through and stuff." And I'd overtaken him, and I thought, "Right, we have to be really careful, or I'm going to get disqualified here if I, if I go too fast through, through these lights." Next thing, I was, I was getting a barrage of abuse from behind. Oh yeah, it was, it was funny. Looking yeah. back on it, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. What I say in the briefing is not what you should be doing. On the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good, good days. Fantastic. Um, so let's just have a little bit of a chat about this year then. Dan, what were your what were your big events from this year? Your main events. So I did firefighters two up, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ironman in in Utah. Yeah. St. George. And then I'm on UK, I'm on Ireland and, and Florida. But yeah, I didn't I didn't maybe anticipate doing four, but it just <laughs> kind of always I don't know. I really really wanted to do Utah. Yeah. And yeah, I ended up doing Florida because I had two entries for for Utah and, and they, they wouldn't refund me, so I ended up rolling it to another North American event. So Florida was just a bit of a bonus really. Yeah. Do you um, know, I, I completely forgot about Utah. That was May, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Of course, so, so Utah, then UK, then Ireland, then Florida. Yeah. That's a bit of a serious year. That's a full year, isn't it, on your race schedule? Yeah, as it's just kind of worked out that way. I always wanted to do UK and Ireland. Yeah. It's Cork's so good. And, and we had a big tri Preston gang going to Cork, so that, that was a great, great fun experience. Yes. Yeah. And Bolton's a home race, and... Yeah. yeah, just onto Utah. Yeah. So uh, a question for you, going out to Utah, what was that like? Because obviously you've been to Kona as well. Did you both go to Kona the year before or was it the year before that? 19, wasn't yeah. it? 2019, you both went to Kona, yeah. yeah. What was it like in Utah when they moved it to Utah as a world championship experience? Better. You think it was better? Yeah, it was, it was great. It's just just somewhere different. I, and I used to be one of those people who's it's all about Kona, it's all about Kona. But now I'm very much it's it's all about it doesn't really matter. Bring take the world championship anywhere. It, it, as long as you get the best athletes and you know Christian Blumenfeld, Chris Gustav Eden, and Daniela Reef there, put it in Bolton. It'd be brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very much. I, I I would like them to rotate it just because it would make it cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. The age groups. Yeah, and I guess it is one of the very, I mean, say one of the only sports, it might be the only sport where the World Championships happens to be in the same place every year. Yeah, Kona's lovely, but so are lots of other places. Yeah, yeah. Because you, obviously, so you both went out to Kona in 2019. So, like, uh, Tom, what were the experiences like there? What was it like for you going to Kona for the, for the it wasn't your first time, was it, Dan, in Kona? And the second that was, yeah. What was it like for you, uh, Tom, going out to Kona in 2019? Well, I loved it. It was just a great experience um, for my wife, Gary, as well. We've both had a, a good time. It's just a, a paradise out there, really, isn't it? Just, it's a really nice place to be, despite triathlon. And then because I was so into triathlon, it's like, it's the mecca, isn't it? You've got everything is Ironman for a week. It's, it's just a complete circus, really. Yeah. And we just soaked it all up absolutely loved it and then the race was great as well so i'm interested because we meet myself and ian and mike were talking on a podcast last week about or the week before whichever week it was about the reports of the pros and various people saying that the the kona atmosphere there's a bit of an issue now and there's not many spectators and the drivers are bad on the road you know the drivers are kind of shouting out the windows at people we don't want you here go home there's a lot of negative stuff came out this year a lot of the pros said they didn't want to race there as well and was there that same feeling when you were there that people didn't want you there? You know, I was hearing that this year there weren't any spectators out and all sorts of things. Is that something recent or is that something you experienced when you were there in 2019? I didn't get that feeling. No, I, maybe it's just because there were so many more people on the island this year. Um, but yeah, I had a great experience. I've had any negativity at all. But whether it's that was just. I mean, people have different experiences, don't they? Obviously, there's um, 
there's always a few reports of people crashing or getting knocked off by cars and, and that is probably an issue because it is busy it's, you, you're cycling on the, the main road yeah um, and there's a there's a lot of traffic so um yeah I, I mean as far as I was concerned it was all good yeah 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 same yeah same yeah it's always been good I, I think from my experience but they, they did have a lot more people there this this time didn't they yeah yeah I remember, do you remember how giddy, giddy Tom was on the first run <laughs> he got there he was like squealing like oh we're in it's so exciting though isn't it on, on the queen k how giddy you were yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that that is one good thing about it being in kona as well because it's just the history of it isn't it so yeah. turning around moving it around it is good being somewhere that you've watched so many times on the telly and then actually getting out there and being able to to do it yourself yeah yeah i remember julie harrison you know that um from wigan she's she she's about 60 something now whatever she is and the first time she went to Kona, she said she kept on the swim. She had quite a slow swim because when she swam out, she kept stopping and turning around to look back at the picture that she'd see on the TV. Yeah. And so she'd swim out and turn around and look at the view. And then she'd carry on swimming and look a bit, turn around and look again. And she said it was the same. You know, you, I suppose it is that, that kind of iconic thing. But, yes, yeah, yeah. interesting to see what happens because so there's been so much bad press this year. Or maybe the, it's always been the same, but the, the press is just more aware of it. I don't know. But it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm just I'm just some rabbiting on here, Ian. Without you, just kind of sat there on Skype. <laughs> you can just chip in at any time if you've got some questions here. I'm, I'm just uh, interested in listening. Yeah, it's um, there's a few things that sort of come to mind in terms of questions, but um, I might save them until uh, we've heard a bit more about this year's performances and so on, because I think they might relate to that as well. But um, certainly a few things already got me uh, interested. Um, Especially that, that last one there where Tom was saying about, oh, oh well, Dan mentioned Tom being uh, giddy when he was on the Queen K. I, I wondered how, how, because obviously <laughs> both enjoyed the experience, but um, did he perform well as well in terms of the actual race? And do you think the, the fact that you were somewhere that was something that you built up so much in your mind beforehand affected the, how you performed? Or when, you, when, the, when it came to it racing, could you sort of focus in and perform as normally would? I, I had a really good race out there. Um, to be honest, I, I almost felt like there was less pressure because I'd had a good race in Bolton, qualified, we're out there, we're going to have a good week, whatever happened. And it, it was just a case of there's so many good athletes here, it's it's almost a little bit less pressure because you're not expected to to be at the sharp end as such. And um, yeah, and it, it's because of... What I mentioned before about you know, having watched it on the telly and stuff and just enjoying the experience of being out there and, and living it myself, um, I think that actually helped me from my performance. Yeah. I think it's one of those islands where, it, you know, the, it's so hot and humid, being a bit more patient and not putting too much pressure on yourself to perform actually could actually help your performance because you're not, you're not overdoing it. You see a lot of people do do go a little bit just that few percent too hard and and they pay for it on the marathon but um no me and dan had a great race out there it's probably one of the best races i've ever had we were to and fro in all day which doesn't normally happen in an ironman you found the same did you dan in terms of yeah yeah i had a, yeah i had a really good good race and totally agree with what tom says when you're out there and you're qualified you're just kind of one of one of the masses and but to us i think there were quite a few northwest athletes there and we ended up changing positions, I think, four-ish times during the day. So we were just like battling each other and, and looking at the other Northwest athletes. So it's kind of like just a good, good fun, really fun time, really. Yes. Um, I think it's interesting when you get that combination of obviously you're in an environment that sort of is very positive anyway in terms of making it to Kona, but also that you can sort of take that pressure off yourself. I guess what's different is for some of the the very top guys, it's it's the pressure is ratcheted it's ratcheted up for those guys, isn't it? and um, maybe they don't find it quite the same experience for them, or certainly not for um, quite quite a lot of them. It's also great to see the the, the pros, and when we were there, Jan Fredino broke the record, and and at the time it was a performance for the ages, and mm. just to see what you're running out and he's running back, it was something else to witness 
It's interesting what you say about the conditions as well and that taking the pressure off because that's certainly something that we've seen at Lakeland, isn't it, Mark? Like some of the years where you get the highest complete completion rate are actually the years when you get some of the hottest conditions because people do just take the pressure off and back off yeah. and yeah. don't go after it too much. Um, and I think there's definitely some learning there for people, you know, in terms of that's the sort of frame of mind you should be trying to get yourself into, you know, regardless of what the conditions are. The, the, the race context is but uh, obviously that's not always as easy yeah yeah you know just something interesting i don't know if this question just come to mind is we say there's quite a lot of northwest athletes out there when you went out there just going to throw this question in as well going off the top of kokona for a second how strong it seems to be in the northwest in general now i know that ironman uk is in bolton so it's always going to be biased towards north northwest you look at the people who are up there competing so whether it's foggy whether it's you two, whether it's George Martin Daly won this year, you know, it's very, very strong in the Northwest, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and even, you know, when, when you go to Wales or go to Ireland, there's a very strong Northwest contingent, isn't there? Your thoughts on that, Dan? Personally, I think it's all down to Ironman UK and us yeah. having that race local to us for, for ten, over 10 years now. And, yeah. and what, what I think everyone targets it, and then what happens is, in my opinion, that like influential age groupers, like you mentioned, like Foggy and and Tom and George, they for them it becomes their number one race. Yeah. So for the younger athletes coming in who get to know these people, they think, oh, that they're, they're and that's what becomes their you know the influence people. And so, and because it's such a tough race, I think people train for that kind of course and conditions and and it just. I don't know people fall into it who have a talent and and there's that influence from around and it just yeah. pushes on up yeah so yeah. i really think it's i'm on uk yeah i think well i'm sorry tom and epic events yeah. yeah oh yeah 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 absolutely i mean i was going to say the thing is i think with you know a lot of people come in they complain about i'm on uk and said the road surface is bad and all that kind of stuff and they're not wrong you know, there, it, it, it is, the road surface is bad in places on the bike and is Pennington Flash really the most scenic place to swim? Probably not. So I can understand other people coming in from, if you're coming from down south to race it and thinking, oh, what's this? You know, go to Wales instead next year. But I think what there is in the northwest in particular, it's like a huge local event, isn't it? Yeah. The people do it because there is a massive community in the northwest. Yeah. All the tri clubs are out supporting. So if you're from the northwest, whilst it might not be the best course uh, it, across Ironman races in general, like I see it as it's the race to do just because of the community and everybody out there supporting. Yeah. You know, and it, you know, for me, it's only you know, it sits just below Horwich Triathlon, obviously <laughs> it's the top race in the region. <laughs> you know, so uh, but yeah, but the, but it's it's a. That, you know, I think you're right, and I think you'd put something on your. I remember reading your Facebook post, Dan, and you said something like it because at some point in the in the marathon you were leading for the first ten or twelve miles, was it? Fourteen. More. Is it fifteen? Fourteen. <laughs> yeah. It was around that. Yeah. Getting there eventually. Um, but to, and you said something like, "What an honour it was to lead for the first forty for the first fourteen miles of the marathon and have the, the lead bike in front of you." Yeah, when there's so many people that you try best in crowd and everything, it must have been amazing. Yeah, when there's like so, when there's so many people that you you know on course from the northwest, and everyone shouts your name, and it, it, it if they don't know you, they see your kit that you're from a, a local club, and they say go on Preston, yeah. or or even you get a bit of Lancashire humour in there, and someone just shouted go on top knot like that. I mean, <laughs> it's, just, it's just like that feeling of being at home, and and it, it's awesome. I think I hope we always keep. I'm on UK in Bolton. Yeah, yeah. I, I also, to be honest, I prefer it with, with no pros there because what it gives is the local top athletes an opportunity to experience what you've experienced. You know, yeah. you, like Foggy said, the first time he led on the bike, there wasn't a car in front of him with a clock and he said he was gutted because he yeah. just wanted to be the guy on the bike with the car in front with a clock on. Yeah. You know, but, but leading the bike or leading the marathon for the first 14 miles, you know, it's just, those are opportunities that, Someone like at 41 in the later stages of your life, you know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great experience. Like, been, 
Tom and Will were at the side on the side of the road. Absolutely, they had about five by that point or something. <laughs> I had the skin full. There's all just every, there was just little pockets of people everywhere. It's, yeah, it's an awesome race. Yeah, I can imagine Billy Turton having a skin full, being at the side supporting. <laughs> yeah, imagine me trying to keep up with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no explain, explain to Ian. Um, uh, Scouse Billy, Billy Turton is just. <laughs> He's a legend for multiple reasons, probably not the right ones <laughs> in the local triathlon community. But yeah, if he's had a skinful and he's supported at the side, that would always add some uh, add some humor. And 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 for for UK for you, for yourself, Tom, what's your thoughts on Ironman UK? Because I know you um, it wasn't you didn't race this year, did you? But was it was it last year, year before? Yeah, I did it um, year before. I think it was third age grouper, mummy age group, and then it, I've done it three times now. It's my first one in fifteen. I did it in 2019, came fifth where there was no pro race, and then uh, again in 21. So, yeah, I've, I've done it a few times. And uh, just to reiterate what you're saying, really, I think um, success breeds success with the Northwest athletes. Everyone targets it. And it's great to see that it's it, we are actually at a good level when people go to other races, like Dan going to Florida and people traveling around and actually having success. It just shows the strength of the field of Bolton. It's not just because no one wants to come. Yeah, because of what you mentioned with road surface, it's like like Game of Thrones, isn't it? Going north of the wall, no one wants to come and battle it out, but yeah, because it, it, it is it's tough yeah. and it's a tough field, but yeah, um, yeah, it's um, it's good to see that people can travel around and show we are competitive wherever we go, not just in Bolton. Yeah, yeah. Well, John, do you know what? I'm, I, I didn't throw John Thelwell into that mix before when I was talking about Foggy and George Martindale and then George Thel, uh, you know. Johnny Thelwell, so it, yeah, there's just so many people that are just right up there, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah, really. yeah don't fire him up anymore. No, don't don't give him another reason to get fired up. Yeah. <laughs> but he's retired. He's just on. He just rides motorbikes now. Uh, yeah, he'll be back. I'll leave it when I see it. <laughs> he'll be back next no, year. I remember. I remember saying to, to to Tom when when I think it was Ben Goodfellow was going out to to Utah to race, and I said. I hope he does really well because then it shows that the level round here is as good as we maybe think it is. Mm. And then he goes and wins his age group at the world champ at the 70.3 world championships. And yeah. like, like you you said, it's the northwest is pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old's Wilf now then? Uh, ben Ben Goodfellow. How old's he? He's only in twenties, is he? Same age as me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember. His, in fact, I was only talking to his mum last week. Um, I saw it run last week, so I I know him because when I was coaching the, the junior academy, his sister actually was the stronger one, and he used to come to the academy. But his uh, his sister was the one who was actually at a good level, and I didn't see him for years. Saw him at Helvell in triathlon, but yeah, it's amazing like how many people are coming out of the northwest. So such yeah. strength and depth of the age group athletes. Yeah, uh, Ian, you can chip in here at any point because um, I will ramble on all day. <laughs> well, one thing I'm quite interested in is obviously that was quite a, or it would seem like to most, uh, Dan's schedule this year was fairly um, busy, you might say, uh, unloaded. Um, so I'm quite interested in hearing about how he selected those, but how he sort of uh, adjusted his training between prioritised races within that. But uh, it'd be interesting to hear what Tom's schedule was this year as well, so we can compare the two. So I don't think we've yeah. had that yet. So, Tom, what, what races did you do as uh, main races this year? Um, I just did the 70.3 in Ireland and Wales. That was it, really. Um, I did do a couple of time trial events earlier in the year, and I did the two up. But um, as far as like races that I was really targeting, it was um, just Ireland and Wales. Yeah, so that obviously that's a, a little bit different. And... I mean, it seems as though Dan's schedule is not. I mean, have you? Do, are there other races as well? And have you just listed the ones that are like your sort of main races there, or do you just tend to train in between those sort of major events? Just for Dan, that one. Oh, um, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did the four Ironman races. Yeah. Did Abasok triathlon and the two. Oh, I think that was everything. That on the Clint Peninsula. Have a sock dry, I thought. Yeah, 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 it's really good. Really good. Did an ultra there this year. 
Nice. Um, nice part of the world, isn't it? I've never been before. Yeah, I didn't know there was a try there, though. And what, what was the other one? The two up. The firefighters oh, yeah. two up, yeah. Joanne, and it's yeah, the same. Did that with Tom. And it's funny now, when Tom lists the races he's done this year, I was thinking, oh, it's two from two, Ireland and and Wales. The only race he lost, or we came second, was when he had to wait for me. <laughs> <laughs> that was the firefighters. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, so, and are they normal years for you two guys in terms of the amount of racing, or um, would you normally do more, Tom, or is that what you'd normally do at Target Two races? Or? I'd probably do a few more smaller races, but uh, in terms of the long distance stuff, no. Um, I've, the only time I've done two was when I went to Kona, um, and I think realistically, I think two is probably about my my limit of what I can target and train for, um, and actually perform a lot. I think if I was doing any more than that, it might I'd probably suffer a bit performance-wise. And how about you, Dan? Is that like is that more than you normally do, I assume? Or? Yeah, I've never done four in a year before, but I've just found that this year motivation's just been super strong, and I've kind of got this thought in the back of my head that I'm 41, and um, although I keep being able to train more and do a little bit better each time, I just feel like at some point it's going to stop. So fill your boots, and just while I'm enjoying it, and and see see what I've got. And there might be nothing more, but I'll have fun trying. So, so uh, the year, year before gone quite well then, and then you were sort of on a roll into this year? or? Yeah, that's right. So 21, I did Tallinn, Estonia, and had a, a really good race there and, and you know, got a, a, a Kona slot and second in age group. And it's just, just that progression. And I always wanted to do Ironman UK and then... Utah happened and court because everyone else was doing it so it just kind of all kind of fell into place and like I said just fill your boots while you're enjoying it and I've seemed to become a bit more resilient this year despite my age I've trained more and more and I seem to keep being able to absorb it so you've done more volume in training this year than ever before as well <laughs> yeah yeah it's done a lot but I seem to have a spell where I, I try and I do a bit more and and it takes a few weeks of being tired and then I kind of just adapt to it and I've, I've not yet reached my limit I don't think I don't seem to get much faster it's like tiny tiny margins but I seem to be able to train a lot more <laughs> and in terms of performances across those four Ironman races then were they similar in terms of I know courses are different and obviously times will be different but in terms of your rating of your level of performance were they, were they similar? you think i'd say utah wasn't great bolton was a bit of a breakthrough for me i had a really good day that day with you know a few little mistakes but nothing major and cork was a over bike and a struggle run and then florida it really all came together where I, after a bit of an annoying swim just paced myself really well and was really conservative and i was dead i was really scared of the heat because it was dead humid and hot and ginger and pale so I was really scared but it that being that scared paid off because I was so conservative but I was that strong throughout the race and managed to run a, a good marathon in, in kind of heat so yeah yep. it, everything kind of built up and Bolton and Florida were just really really good for me yeah I, um, uh, we have family in Florida and uh, it's pretty debilitating isn't it I think in terms of the humidity there um, yeah so so it seems as though probably Utah was your lowest level of performance, Florida the highest, but then you sort of peaked a little bit for UK and then dropped back a bit for core. Who would that be about right? I'd say so. I'd say, well, I'd say my fitness was good for all of them. Just Cork was, you know, got a bit silly on the bike and didn't respect okay. it stay there. And, you know, just it wasn't a great execution. It was pretty short and ground out a solid day. Yeah. But you always want that marathon. Don't you? If, if you have a good marathon, you have a good Ironman. Yeah, and, and and that's the way I always look at it. If you have a bad mar marathon, you've had a not as a, not an ideal race. I think whatever uh, you know, whatever ends happens towards the end of a performance always colours you 
memory of it anyway, doesn't it? And obviously that's that's where the marathon is. So if that ends up being pretty horrid, even if the overall performance is okay, it's still full as how you remember it, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so you, you didn't purposely sort of try and peak for any of those. It was just you were trying to be at sort of quite close to your top level for all of them. Yeah, I think yeah. Basically, I didn't. I know I did try and peak for kind of all of them. Although Bolton and Cork were pretty much the same. You know, you, you've got one level of fit. There's only five weeks, I think, in between them. Florida had a good ten weeks, so I felt like I had time to sort of reset, work on some weaknesses, and and ramp up again and, and taper again so florida felt like that was another kind of peak that was, was that something that you did right at the start of the season when you knew what you said it was going to be or were you sort of making the decisions on the fly a bit more i didn't know i was going to do florida florida, florida came in later yeah it was the only thing i could do with my entry because i had two entries for utah it was the only thing i could do was to defer it so i just had that entry and i did cork and then i thought you know, I'm quite motivated, and and Tom had just won Wales. <laughs> you know, the overall age group race, so it'd be good to, good to match that <laughs> or try to. <laughs> yeah. How do you explain the the motivation being so strong this year? Just just, just loving it. Just at a point in my life where everything's quite settled, and I've got a good amount of time to train injury free and I think like I said before I've got this thought in the back of my mind that I'm not 40 41 forever and in a few years time maybe you don't get the same output as what you put into it so just yeah. see what you've got and uh, and how about you Tom in terms of this year like did you feel as though were you aiming for Wales as being like the, the most important or was the 70.3 as as important for you to be honest, I only entered both of them quite late, um, Wales especially. So um, I, at the start of the year, I, I just kind of completely cleared the schedule and, and wasn't going to do anything. Um, but I soon kind of got fed up and wanted to get back into it. Um, so, go on, Mark. <laughs> Can I just make a point here then? So, because there's lots of stuff flying around on social media about you retired this year. <laughs> <laughs> So you were supposed to be retiring, and I know Ian won't know about this. So I want the full picture here. Were you supposed to be officially retiring and then just came back and won Ironman 7.3 in Ironman Wales? Yeah, well, I think I just had a little bit of a, a mindset shift. Because um, I, I did quite well in Bolton last year, and I was kind of really focused on trying to... I was performed at high level, but I wanted to get better and I was looking at what I'd have to do to, to try and make them small gains at the top end to to, to improve even more and um, I think it was just a bit overwhelming with, with it and I was too focused on the racing and ended up probably just a little bit burnt out come, come through mid-winter and um, but after a few months um, I just started to realise what I was missing and it wasn't even the racing it was just the you know the lifestyle training with my mates and and being healthy and and the, the social side of it it's not like i'm going out to the pub and stuff at the weekends and you know i mean this was like my social circle the triathlon and uh and i was definitely missing it and started to feel a bit glum and uh i was thinking well i, I wanted to go to ireland to watch anyway there's a 70.3 on um so i might as well just have a couple of months concentrate on it and um and just get back into it and and again, just felt like there was, I was a lot more like focused on the process rather than the race. And um, and that, that helped me a lot, I think. I think, it, and then I actually ended up getting the gains that I was probably stressing a bit too much about at the end of last year. Yeah. Interesting, because um, for different reasons, it seems like we've sort of um, identified a few sort of good performances obviously both performed well in 2019 in Kona when we talked about the conditions sort of taking the pressure off and then Florida was the same for you wasn't it Dan in terms of you know you take you were obviously taking it easy but it takes the pressure off and allows you to sort of have a bit more of a relaxed um, uh, approach to the race uh, and then you've said for different reasons Tom really because you'd sort of had a break from the sport and you were putting too much pressure on it 
and it's amazing how many times sort of some of our best performances come when we're in that sort of mindset isn't it yeah definitely I think I just when I started training again I just appreciated it that much more um, and and then because I was starting to enjoy it again I was doing more of it because it's a lot easier to do something you enjoy and and you know it, everything just built up and it's like the same for the northwest scene so strong and there's so many good people about and and it, it just motivates you to do more as well so yeah it's built on like that really you did properly retire as well didn't you, you, you oh yeah you're doing your time trialing and but you did you didn't swim for a long time did you and no. I remember when you came back swimming it was brilliant <laughs> you're rubbish <laughs> But yeah, you did. You, it was a proper yeah, yeah. multiple months where you, you weren't doing any swimming or running. And, yeah, yeah, I was and, doing a little bit of cycling, but um, apart from that, yeah, nothing. Yeah, I, I've got a question here. Hang on, let me just... Now, what you need to know now, Dan, it's all right, I've muted it so uh, Tom can't hear the answer to this one. But uh, does he not wind you up that he retires and then just comes back and wins stuff? Yeah. You're training so hard, yeah. you endless volume. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's got such a natural ability. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, he's just very, like Tom's just very natural at the bike and the run and, and the swim. And he, but he does work hard when he's on it, he does work hard. And he, one thing I've, I've noticed is that when he starts a session, he always finishes it. And, and he, he, he like I say, he, he is dedicated when, when he's on it. Yeah. But, you know, we've all got different talents. I think mine are in being able to train a lot and, uh, and <laughs> keep motivated. I'm, I'm always quite motivated yeah. to, to train all the time. I'm always quite consistent. And uh, so I think that's my talent. <laughs> I, I like the, um, the the kind of you're talking about you know the, the social side. I think Tom's really right. Is that you know, part of training? You can't motivate yourself 24/7, 365 days a year to train. And that social side of it is massive. You, you know, a group of you swim together in the morning. You go and ride your bikes together on a Sunday. Things like that are really really important. And I think people don't understand that. I think sometimes with training plans, that's one of the things that knackers them is the training plan is so specific and you have to go and ride on your own and ride at a certain power output and blah, 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 and everything has to be just fixed for you, but you end up not riding with your mates at all. And to do that three and six, five days a year, it just, it just doesn't work. You've got to look what you do, haven't you? Part of what you do is that, you know, I'm used to kind of Sunday club rides where you're basically just spending five hours just ripping each other to bits, like, you know, and taking the mick out of each other. And yeah. that's the psychology training, isn't it, as well? But one of the things I like this year is, it went, so when Tom's racing, um, you kind of, it, I'm, I'm more interested in watching Dan's social media posts when you're racing, Tom. <laughs> so, so it's really funny to, you know, to, to watch. And I can remember, because I remember like little things like uh, it's the 7.3 in Ireland. And I, and I think I'd, uh, I'd just put my phone on in the morning. And the first thing that came up was a post from, uh, from Dan. And I'm trying to remember what it said. It was something along the lines of um, after being treated with several days of really nice weather, I think you just come out the swim. After being treated with so many days of really nice weather, it's such a shame that the other athletes are about to experience storm rigby. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair because yeah. they biked through and came off the bike with about a 20 minute lead or something. Yeah. You know, you were so far ahead in that race you, yeah. at the end of the bike. Yeah, Dan's good at he's always good with that with his race reports and his humour. I do like reading his social media stuff. It's a bit, yeah. bit different to the norm. Yeah. You thrive on on your clubmates do doing well though, like watching Wales and Cork and you know when the lads, the other lads from Tri Prestons in Kona, we had a Kona party where we all we hired out a little venue and and we watched it on on TV and we were tracking them and just like seeing your your mates in in that community do well, you you thrive on it and it like it's that success breeding success is is everyone's pushing each other on. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, I'm curious then, let's uh, let's ask some questions about just training. It's very, very hard to kind of talk about training in general. But come to you first, then Dan. If you're trying to talk to someone who wants to improve their Ironman performances, wants to get better in Ironman, 
I'm not looking for details and key sessions and stuff like that. But just where you are now performing so well at 41 years of age, first per, age grouper overall at Ironman Florida, as a vet, did I repeat that several times? Uh, how have you adapted your training? What are the key things, the key principles that kind of underpin your training that you would say, this is what's made the biggest difference to you? It's training more. And, and that's that's pretty much it so it's i think for an age grouper training is i think it's more of a logistical cha challenge and it and it's more how can you fit as much training as your motivation can handle and your lifestyle can handle without damaging you know your work your family your, your other commitments and just for me, my, my sort of KPIs when I'm training are just weekly volume and run mileage and swim yardage. And I think that's more important than than anything for me. Yeah. The other aspect that I probably go a bit too, I don't know, too much in is, is for Ironman is, is getting lean. But that's because I'm taller than, than most and, and I, I just think it makes a massive difference to the to the run. In particular in Ironman so those are my two big big things are just volume and and yeah just trying to lose a bit of weight before a race yeah Tom what are your key things I mean do you have key things that you're looking at or you know what makes you feel like you're fully prepared what kind of sessions what kind of you know criteria you plan I'm generally quite flexible with my training but similar to Dan like I'll be tracking weekly volume run mileage and and then kind of like targets as a basis and then other stuff within but I think I just try and focus on what I can do rather than what other people are doing so I think especially with social media now you you know it's easy to get think everyone's training like a professional isn't it when if you if you have a look through Instagram but I think um especially this year I've just focused on what I can actually do instead of what I can't do and uh, and it's made a big difference mm, yeah uh, Ian do you want to chip in at any point here just yeah well just the, the main thing that I'm, I, I'm interested in because we've obviously talked quite a lot about the importance of volume in training for endurance events and uh, wondering what sort of intensity you're working at when you're doing that volume work I guess that would be an interesting question for listeners how do you monitor it as well yeah, and another sort of key thing that I probably didn't mention was I, I concentrate on being specific, and this is something I've done more this year, and in terms of like really training the aerobic engine because I am on being such a long aerobic day. And actually, Mark, you've done a couple of good articles on this that I totally resonate with, in that everyone is so focused on their FTP and how fast they run a 5K, and it's not that relevant when you're racing for nine to 17 hours it's it's a long easy day it's a steady day so so yeah intensity wise and this is something that i found as i've tried to increase volume particularly in this florida build was i've done i've gone back to using a heart rate monitor and training by heart rate to keep my intensity lower on my what i call speed work but they're not that fast so that I'm still okay to train the next day. So yeah, I've done the control everything by heart heart rate now, and and just that speed intensity is in running maybe ten mile ten mile flat out running pace would be the maximum that I'd go to, and similar for cycling. And what about when you do volume work? So that's sort of the higher quality stuff. You you wouldn't go beyond sort of your, your ten mile pace. What, what about the volume stuff? What sort of intensity are you at? Quite low, so maybe like, I don't know, 200 watts on the bike would be a lot long ride, a lot on the turbo. But then I do a lot of Ironman pace, quite specific rides. So I do like what I used to think of a hero session would be like six times 30 minutes of Ironman power on the turbo which I used to think is a hero session. Then I listened to a podcast about the Norwegian guys are doing, and they do it for four hours. <laughs> so, God. And, and what, what's your Ironman power? So if you say it eases 200 for a long ride, what, what's Ironman power? About 
high 250s low 260s ish so yeah trying to do like four to six times 30 minutes at about 260 which it's not a particularly hard session physically it's just mentally quite challenging no not at the time but maybe afterwards when it, it takes a bit of recovery from i would think it's more than it does, that that's that's the key i think with intensity control in terms of building your volume if you control that intensity strictly and don't get too fixated on massive power outputs you can, you can, go, you can go again the next the next day yeah that's good that's i think and how about you uh tom in terms of uh intensity in sessions and how you monitor it does what um, dan said resonate with you or do you have a different approach uh slightly different yeah i think all the principles are the same but i'm probably a little bit less specific as i mentioned before i like to train with groups when i can just for the enjoyment and it helps me keep consistent but i think the danger of that is if you're training with other people a lot it can end up being a lot of intensity because the the nature of like if you're going out on a on a club ride or, or whatever it always tends to be quite hard and you know people push each other on don't they and same on if you're going to a running track or or whatever so it's um i think it's important like the training i do on my own does tend to be very easy and then the training i'll do with other people is um is generally that bit harder and um but i can you know, I, I, I will do some specific sessions on the turbo trainer and um but uh, just try and um see how my body listen to what my body's telling me really just to make sure that i can be consistent and don't um overdo it yeah it's interesting so it's slightly different take on it. and you've mentioned obviously two or three times the the sort of the importance of the social side um for you tom and it, i think that there's sort of an important lesson there for because uh, obviously social side of the sport is important probably to, to most people but people engage with it in different ways and whether it's part of the, the actual training or whether it's something that happens at events is different for different people but it's recognizing what motivates you and what helps help you to sort of train well is important to sort of tie that into like mark was saying earlier if people are following a program that's set by someone that doesn't think about the individual and what motivates them makes it really specific for some people that can work really well and yeah and, and people love it it's sort of working on the numbers and looking at the session afterwards and that can be motivating for them but for other people who really sort of need that social side there needs to be a balance doesn't there um, to, to keep the motivation going i think we've talked about this in the past time with this kind of thing that people believe if there, if there isn't structure and, and it's you know it's not at a set power or whatever it may be that it's somehow a waste of time and people just getting too bogged down work you know you go out for a social ride together and you go and do five or six hours or you choose to go on your on your mountain bike for example and go out for five six hours you're still riding your bike and it's yeah do you know what i mean it's still it's still you've got to be careful that you don't take all that enjoyment suck all the enjoyment out of it because it's like well that's not very structured riding your mountain bike for six hours no but it's bloody hard yeah it's a race ride you know but and it's and it's good fun as well and it's motivating and stuff like that and i think that's you've got to get that balance but I just um, want to come back to this point. We were talking about training then and about the um, uh, couple of questions. What was the other question I was going to ask? One of them was, um, we had a conversation some time ago. I think I might have had this chat with you, Dan. I was interested in both of you talking about the, uh, you mentioned about the run, the marathon. If you have a bad marathon, you've got a bad Ironman, full stop. Yeah. And I think we had a conversation, and it's something I've seen about how, there is probably an overfocus because of the tech and it's sexy and nice bikes and everything like that and power meters. There is an overfocus on on biking, less so on running. And I think you'd said that everybody's kind of cancelled themselves out a little bit with the Euro tech and all of this kind of stuff. And ultimately, yeah, it just comes down to a running race now with, with the decent age groupers, and that's where the biggest gains are to be had. Yeah. Um, and I kind of said your bike show and you run for dough and you end up with a lot of people talking who are walking an Ironman marathon in six hours but just want to talk about the bike split and, and that's a pattern I've seen and I think that's changing well, it's definitely changing in the pros isn't it because now suddenly you can't run 235 you're knackered you're not going to win are you no. so you know and, and just thoughts on that really you know how that's evolved so I'll come to you first Dan. do you say me sorry yeah go on yeah i think you, you you're right in that everyone's aero everyone's tech talk everyone's got a flash 
bikes and and it's kind of like it's almost like a barrier to entry now that if you don't do it you're going to lose 10 minutes plus but it always it always comes down to the run always and in in races like in europe or, or in america flatter races it's a running race. I always think about. I always think if I want to perform in Hawaii, that's a runner's race, because you not you just can't make those gains on the bike because as the speeds increase, what you need to do to go faster than someone else, that increases. It's it's really hard. So I was, yeah, I think it's it's much more becoming a runner's race. And but on the flip side, that's why I love the races we have in the UK, Bolton, Wales, Ireland. The tough bike courses, so much damage is done on the, on the bike, and so much damage is done to your run legs. Starting a marathon in Bolton is different to starting a marathon in Florida. You've got way less energy. So if you can bike fast but controlled in Bolton and Wales, and then run a strong marathon, you know, it's it's harder to do, and and that's why I think those races are, are brilliant. They're, they're so good. Yeah. What are your marathon times this year, just to put some context to it? For the four Ironman races, four marathon times. So <laughs> quite varied. Three twenty-four, I think, in Utah. Three twelve in Bolton. Three twenty, I think, might have been. I don't know. High three twenties in Cork, and then three ten in in Florida. Three ten. Quite yeah. varied, but yeah, Cork was. In, I left my marathon on the bike in court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, to do. What was your time at Bolton when you did it the other year, Tom? And what was your time at Wales for the marathon? Um, I think the last time I did it in Bolton, I did a 3.16 and then I was 3.08 in Wales this year. 3.08? Oh, two minutes he's done you by there, Dan. Yeah. Wales, Wales is the toughest marathon on the circuit. Yeah, yeah. It's so steep, that hill, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because I'm going back to when I was like kind of at vet, started as vet 14. To be honest, you, if you wanted to kind of podium at Ironman UK, you could do it running 325 to 330. Yeah. And now you're talking about you're running 310, you know, and, and obviously I know Tom's a bit younger, running 308 and, and 310, you know, as a vet 40. That's, um, it just shows you that the difference and interesting, Mallorca. I remember looking at the Vet 50 with Mallorca when we went out last year, and I thought, I wonder what the, I wasn't I wasn't 50 at that point. I thought, I wonder what the Vet 50 did. Just you know, as you do looking. Yeah. You you must be doing it now, Dan. You're looking at the Vet 45s already and seeing what times they're doing just to check ahead. Yeah. Uh, it's cool. And the and the Vet 50 ran 3:05, and I just thought, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. You know, and, and you're looking at the sum in the bike and you're like, well, we're not really that far off on the sum in the bike. And then suddenly you're 25 minutes off on the run. Yeah. You know, and that's where the, the, the gains are being, being made, really, aren't they? But um, it's big time, isn't it? It's interesting, that shift, because, you know, I, and again, I know, again, Tom, Tom will probably remember this, but Tom's a bit younger. But you'll definitely remember it, Dan. And I know you remember it, Ian. Going back, it's those days of like hell on wheels, Thomas Hellregal, isn't it? Getting off, out the swim with a moderate bike time and even like. Sebastian Keeler was the same, wasn't it? We're not going too far back. Yeah. Moderate swimmer, get on the bike, annihilate them on the bike, moderate run, but hold on on the run. Well, that just doesn't happen now, does it, in the pro level at all? No, no. Bike technology and knowledge has just closed closed all the gaps on, on the bike, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a few more questions. Ian, is there anything I'm going to chip in before I ask me find your other questions? Um, well, my remaining questions are quite uh, focused on the future. I think, uh, you know, plans for next year. Obviously, two guys that have had a good season this year, probably, you know, one of the best seasons that they've had. So how does that change uh, what they do next year? Or does nothing change? Or do you look for another four Ironman <laughs> events to do? Or do you reschedule things or you know, leave it a bit later to decide? That, that, they're the things that I was interested in. Um so uh, should, we st should we start there, Mark, and then come back to your questions after that? Yeah, that was one of my two. Okay. What What's next? What's left to do? What's the future goals? I can see like completely different because obviously the people who are listening can't see the facial responses. Tom's wondering what he's doing tomorrow. 
<laughs> Dan's going to tell us what, what race he's doing as a 45. Come on, let's get to Tom first. Come on, Tom. What's on the calendar for next year? It's got to be Bolton, hasn't it? I yeah. think there's more hype around Bolton next year than there has been in the previous five years. So it's because um, everyone's had such a good season this year. And then you've got people that are potentially coming back as well. It, it, it could be the one that people remember. That's what that's what me and Dan are billing it as anyway. But you get you start speaking to a few of the local guys, and I think everyone's got the same kind of idea in the head that if if you want to you want to prove yourself, where you need to be. So um, yeah, I think everyone uh, has got that focus. And have you entered Bolton? No. <laughs> he will. I, I, I will do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like you say, I kind of hope there isn't a pro race and I've never said that before because I've never minded there being a pro race but you know, I'd, I'd, I would be quite happy if it was just an age group only race again next year Oh yeah, do you know, the thing is as well I would say about UK and I've said this many times before but the people in the North West know the top age groupers like yourself and John and Brian and all those kind of people they know those people far better than they do the second rate pros that turn up you know and I, I actually think it spoils a race having the pros there now. <laughs> you know, I do. Because yeah, it makes us look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Miles better just having all the, all like the top age groupers, you know. I mean, yeah. those kind of local heroes are far more popular with their local community than the, the I don't know who that guy is, that pro has just gone through and, you know. So so you're on UK next year. And um, uh, so, Dan, uh, we need to limit this, Dan, to, you know, I don't want to full guy, but... Um, for, for next year and kind of future aspirations, where are we going next? UK, Bolton, Cork, and ho- hopefully Kona next year as well. Kona next year, yeah. I don't need to ask if you're still motivated, do I? No, no. <laughs> until until my age starts catching up with me, I'm, yeah. I'm there. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, so my other question was then, I know this is a good one to, to finish on, because I know, you, um, you, again, I get the impression that Tom might not want to talk about this as much as you will, Dan. But I think this is really a really nice thing to, to, for people who are listening to understand. So I'm going to come to you first, Dan, because I think you'll give me a proper heartfelt answer. And then Tom <laughs> will get the gist of what, what needs to follow. <laughs> so <clears throat> we talked about leading. I am on UK massive event locally what it feels like to be leading on the marathon for 14 miles and what that must have felt like just having the bike in front of you saying male first place and all of that kind of stuff and then let's go to to florida kind of at the point on the bike where i don't know if you knew you were leading you're on the marathon you're looking at your watch you maybe know you're leading how that feels coming into that last 10 miles thinking jesus i'm going to win this thing crossing the line you know, after like as an age grouper, full-time job, years and years of training. Kind of talk us through that. You know, did you did you know in the last ten miles that you were that you were ahead? Did you know you were going to win? Who was chasing you? And the whole emotion of it. How does it feel for all of that training to, you know, to finally come to fruition and be in that position? Well, yeah. Um, in in Bolton, I remember when I passed the leader. A first, my first thought was, oh my god, I'm in the lead of Ironman UK. This is awesome. And then my next thought was, just let me get to that next timing mat. And then everyone on my family chat and, and what have you, let me have one timing mat where I'm in the lead of Ironman UK. And so that that was great. I could have done that. And then the next one was, let's, let's uh, at that turnaround where you can see everyone. And I, and I had like three or four minutes over George and Jack and, and a couple of others. And I thought, oh, my God it's 10 miles downhill i'm not gonna lose any more time i'm gonna lead this marathon for quite a while <laughs> at the very at the very least so it was just yeah it's such a pleasure such a i don't know it's, it really just uh unexpected and as as good as you it, it felt as good as you think it would yeah yeah in in florida it was a I, when i started the marathon i had good legs and I want, and I could see them up ahead, the first two, and I thought I just wanted to run across to them, but I, I just, I, knew, I was scared of the heat, and I just had to really be conservative and run my own race. 
and but I was running faster. I took the lead after five miles, but because I'd had that experience in Bolton, I didn't have that same emotion. It was more like I'm just racing. And then I was scared after the after half marathon. I saw Oliver was only two minutes behind, and then there's no information then until about 20 miles. And he looked great, and I thought, oh god, I'm starting to feel a bit tired. So that was hard. That, but then when I got to 20. And I saw him again. It was a four-minute lead. I'd increased the lead. That's when I thought, I'm in the driving seat here, and I've got six miles in me. And I, your thoughts drift to the, to the finish, and flipping heck, I'm like, I should win this. And that's when you. That's when I thought, I've got to look after myself. I've got to just keep doing what I'm doing. Don't let yourself think of that. And then, but but when I passed a mile marker, it was like 21 it was like in my head it was like five miles to glory <laughs> that's what I was thinking and then yeah when with a mile to go I took a long look back and I kind of knew I, I was going to, to to win and yeah it just felt amazing absolute elation you, you yeah it was if you could bottle that feeling you'd be richer than Elon Musk yeah it was turning into that finishing shoot as, as the first person, it was awesome, unbelievable. Like the most elated I've probably ever been. Yeah. Oh, geez. I want to be the first over the time in Matt at UK next year now. Yeah. <laughs> Even after I've, I've retired. <laughs> it's great, but it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing hearing that. It's, it's, uh, uh I'm going to ask about Ironman Wales for you, Tom, because Ironman 70.3 Ireland is a bit, bit pointless, really, because you could have had a brew halfway around the run and you were kind of 20 minutes ahead and jogging and waving at everyone. So Ironman Wales, did you know where you were? Because it, it was obviously a very close race. And uh, was it Oliver Simons who was there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there so, was Oliver Simon and Ben, Good, uh, ben Goodfellow miles yeah. up the road, yeah. Yeah. So, so what was that like for you and, you know, coming into like the final 10 miles and the to and fro and how did it feel crossing the line? It was good, yeah. It was... Um, I was just a bit like any Ironman, just a sense of relief as well, knowing that you've you've done it. But it was uh, it was quite a close race. Whereas in Ireland, I obviously had that bit more time. Uh, in Wales, even though I'd taken the lead, there was still someone closing me down. So I was getting splits from Dan and other people on the road. And at the turn around at the top of the course, I, I could see the second place with all the bands on. And I just think it was it was quite close, but. Luckily, I managed to do. Like, I paced it well enough that I could pick up the pace a little bit and, and secure it. So yeah, it was a good, um, good feeling. But to be fair, Ireland because it, I was leading the race, and I, I think in training you you visualise these moments, don't you? Sometimes, and, and Ireland was more than what I'd ever imagined because you put on such a good show. I, mean, I was coming into y'all uh, on the bike. The um, they got a police uh, escort coming into town with the sirens on, and it was just the coolest experience I've ever had uh, racing. And then you swing round onto Windmill Hill, and there's so many people there. It's you know it's surpassed anything that I'd ever thought about in in yeah. training. And uh, yeah, it was it was a really good moment. Brilliant. Well, I, I've only got one more question. I'm supposed to open the shop at one o'clock, and it's two minutes past one. But I want to come to you first and just see if you've got any final questions before I ask my last one. No, no, you go ahead, Mark. I've got a couple of final comments, but not another question. So yeah, Okay, go. here's a final question. <clears throat> I'm going to go to Dan first with this one. 2023, Ironman UK. You enter the last kilometre. <laughs> first and second, <laughs> side by side. One kilometre to go. Side by side, first and second at Ironman UK. Try Preston, Teal Army screaming. All <laughs> Come on, top knot. All that, we're all <laughs> it loads into the last 400 metres and you're still neck and neck. Do you take a look at each other and go, let's cross the line together? No, no. <laughs> Jesus, let me come to you first. <laughs> Dan, what are you thinking? I'd just, I'd just be thinking how, what's the best thing, what's the best way to beat him? Right. <laughs> Try and use my knowledge. Because obviously we've trained together a lot. Try and think of what is strong and what is weak. I'd, yeah, if, if that actually happens, I would 
just try and think of the best way to, to try and beat him. I'll say it as it is, yeah. Uh, Tom? I'd be thinking, bloody hell, Dan's improved. Always <laughs> 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 oh, joking. Uh, right. the last comments. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, I'm glad I saved the comment now because one of the things that you know sort of take from this interview is just how um, how good it is to see like two guys that are obviously performing uh, at the top of the game, but how much they almost take as much almost I say take as much pleasure in each other's performances and the other guys that they train with as uh, as they do their own because I think that's quite rare in sport. Not often people get caught up in being being competitive meaning I have to focus on how I'm performing and uh, at the detriment of others and uh, there's definitely you could just get feel that vibe coming off the guys today in terms of how much benefit there is in being able to get that sort of culture and environment yeah absolutely absolutely but there's going to be a massive queue outside the shop you know so um, I am going to have to wrap it up there but gents it's been an absolute honour and a pleasure having you on the podcast I think this is going to be a very very good one that a lot of people will want to listen to I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, I'm inspired now to get my arse in gear you know and try and enter Ironman UK now after listening yeah. to this and I can just I'll be lapped obviously but I can still watch what's going on on the course but uh, yeah I hope you both absolutely knock it out of the park you're both such I'm genuinely just saying this but you're, you're both legends and you're legends because you're both such gentlemen and you're so humble with it and everything else. And I think everybody else who knows you will, will agree with that. So thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, best of luck with everything in 2023. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks so much. Really thanks, guys. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the show today. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow myself uh, via the Endurance Store at Endurance Coach. You can follow Mike, the endurance physio, at the endurance PT. And you can follow Dr. Ian Bordley at MD Sport X. That's MD Sport EX. Uh, you can also visit our website. You can visit theendurancestore.com, which is a local running shop near Wigan. And uh, we also offer the endurance coach testing and coaching services. And also just check out sportsinjuryfix.com, where you can find a sports injury specialist near you. Speak to you soon.